have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way down top. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! Rebound box. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. Here's Middleton. Giannis trailing the lob. Welcome back to the Playbook Podcast, a podcast where we talk all about the NBA. Uh, I am your host, Sal, and as usual, I am joined by my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Sal? Fantastic. Um, this will be the first time we are recording in the same room uh, and not over a call, so um, shouldn't be any different. But um, let's jump into this, another playoff-filled week. Uh, this time around, we have two award winners, um, being Scotty Barnes and Marcus Smart. Uh, the Defensive Player of the Year and the Rookie of the Year were announced this week. So I think the first thing uh, that was announced was the Defensive Player of the Year, Marcus Smart beating out Mikal Bridges, uh, was the runner-up, I believe. Um, and on the last episode, I did predict that Marcus Smart was going to win it. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts about this, Mark. Well, when we were talking about the award, I uh, I said directly, if Marcus, like, well, maybe not, maybe not word for word, but... Just to paraphrase, I said that Marcus Smart should be nowhere near this award. He is not the best defender on his team, which I still absolutely stand by. And the fact that he won this award is a travesty. I, um, I, I, I think it's terrible. I don't know how he won this award over Rudy Gobert, who is just by far and away the best defensive player of the NBA. I don't know how he won this award over Mikhail Bridges, who is just like much better than Marcus Smart is and I also like have no idea how he was nominated for this award over his teammate the Time Lord himself who is a much better and much more valuable defensive player than Marcus Smart ever has been and probably ever will be but um like with all due respect good for him Uh, I mean obviously it's a big deal it's cool to see a guard win the defensive player of the year first one since Gary Payton and um I I don't really I, I I'm very I was pretty annoyed about it. He he does not deserve it. And um yeah, Rudy should have 4 right now. But have you seen the award? Like have you seen the actual award that they got? Um no, but I know they're different from uh what they were the previous years. Yeah, uh as part of like the 75th anniversary just the season over whatever. They gave them a glass ball, which is just terrible. I guarantee you ask any player, and they would prefer the normal trophy that you get for these awards, the normal Defensive Player of the Year award, which is a good-looking award over this literal glass basketball, uh, which is super small and probably super disappointing to get. Like It probably doesn't look anywhere near as good in a trophy cabinet. So I don't really know what the NBA was thinking there. But uh, anyways, that should be in Rudy Gobert's trophy case, not Marcus Smart's. Yeah, I was a big fan of the uh, bronze-looking uh, awards that they had. Uh, I'm not sure if it was bronze, but it kind of looked like that uh, with the like MVP of like the and then like the player like standing in the defensive stance. That's what I liked about the awards. But uh, let's move on to the next award, which was uh, uh, a big W for Canada. Must uh, must I say, uh, Scotty Barnes winning Rookie of the Year. Um, and uh, he won, just uh, just edged out Evan Mobley, 
who was really his only competitor in terms of votes. And it was uh, the narrowest margin in Rookie of the Year voting history. Uh, so Scotty Barnes received 48 first place votes and Evan Mobley got 43. And then Scotty Barnes got 43 second place and Mobley got 46. So it was very close. Uh, Scotty had a total of 378 voting points while Mobley had 363 and Cade had 153. Um so yeah, that's a crazy award, and uh, I mean, either Mobley or Scotty, I thought personally was a valuable, a valid um, opinion to have with who won the Rookie of the Year. Personally, I was uh, I predicted Mobley, but uh, can't be mad about Scotty, um, and I think it was well deserved, and I think it's a good uh, good accomplishment for uh, him. Although Rookie of the Year doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because it doesn't really tell who is the best rookie in the class over time. Kind of just had who had the best situation and uh, had the best individual season. Uh, let's uh, let's hear your thoughts on this, Mark. I mean, let's just hope he doesn't end up like Damian Lillard, where the Rookie of the Year ends up being possibly the biggest accomplishment of his career, at least for most of it. Uh, I wanted Mobley to win. I thought Mobley was by a solid margin the best rookie within the class, but. Scotty Barnes was the person that I thought reasonably the only one who could actually compete for this award with him. Um, seeing Cade get nowhere close felt kind of good, and I have nothing against Cade. It was more a thing where it's like he did not deserve it, and I'm happy the voters recognized that, even though he ha- was pr- arguably the best rookie in the second half of the season. But um, it's a season-long award, not a post-All-Star break award. Again... The stupid glass ball instead of the actual Rookie of the Year trophy is just disappointing. But, I mean, seeing Scotty win, it's cool. We're Canadian, so I always like seeing Canada win, even though he's, well, just call him an honorary Canadian at this point. I mean, you might as well. He plays for the Raptors. Uh, he's He's been incredible this season, though. Such a dynamic player. Uh, he's He's got this ball handling ability that I didn't really expect out of him coming into the NBA uh, the way he creates his own shot. I mean, he's a true six nine point guard. I like. I saw the people saw the passing ability. They saw that back in college, even. But uh, I know I don't think many people people expected the actual like ability to dribble the basketball, especially with a defender like just right up on him and the actual shot creating ability, as well as just the ability to guard one to five. And uh, it kind of kind of was like another Masai was right moment. Where on draft day, I don't know if you remember, but when they didn't pick Jalen Suggs, uh, people were not too happy about it, and they were really taken aback by it. And it took some took some thinking about it to understand the pick. Even uh, I remember when it even first came around as a possibility, people were really taken aback by it. And Masai was right again. But uh, just another note, I don't know who the voter was, but. Shout out to whoever voted Jalen Green for second place in the Rookie of the Year voting. Um, totally undeserved, but we'll take it. And uh, hopefully he ends up deserving that long term, I guess. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, that's all we have for the awards uh, this week. And I'm sure some more will be announced by the time we upload our next episode. But uh, let's start off. I think the first game we should kick it off with is uh, the Raptors 76ers game. Uh, this was a game that Scotty Barnes did not play in, um, and Gary Trent left early with a illness. I believe he wasn't feeling well. 
uh, non-COVID related. But uh, the Raptors ended up losing by uh, 15 to the Sixers for the Sixers to take a 2-0 series lead. And uh, Joel Embiid just uh, dominated. Um, and we know he's been playing through some uh, ligament tear, which will require surgery in his thumb after the season uh, for the Sixers. But, uh, I mean, he had 31-11. and 11. Um, No assists, which is kind of rare for Embiid. But uh, uh, let's talk about this next game here, uh, the Mavs-Jazz um, game, which uh, was a pretty crazy game. You know, Jalen Brunson had, I think it was 41 points. Um, and uh, also Maxi Kleber, big shout-out to him because um, – he had 25 points, and uh, I think it was eight three-pointers. All of his shots were from the three-point line, which is 11 shots, but he only made eight. And, uh, yeah, insanely clutch game from Maxi Kleba. This was the ultimate Utah Jazz defensive breakdown game, and Rudy Gobert caught so much unfair slack for this game. Uh, I know I may come off as this big Rudy Gobert defender, but um, yeah, like the, this was the perfect. This was just the epitome of the Jazz's problems. I mean, they've got no perimeter defense. You can you can crash like not crash. You can penetrate into the paint so easily, and then either if you've got Rudy Gobert guarding Kleber in the corner, um, he either has to come in to prevent the easy two, which then leaves Kleber open in the corner or wherever he was. And or you stay on your stay on Kleber, okay. You won't give up the three, but there's two there's two points for sure, and it's just it's just the ultimate like okay, well, what do I want to give up? And this is not a problem that he should have to face this often in coming to the decision. And I think it's the right decision for him to be coming into the paint to take away the easy two and go towards the three because, I mean, you're more likely to make an open layup than an open three pointer. So, I just feel kind of bad for him though because it makes him look bad. It makes him look really bad. I mean, you see, you see Maxi Kleber. What? What was it? Maxi Kleber had, yeah, twenty five points off of eight threes. Like, if if not all eight were from Gobert leaving him open because he had to come towards the paint, it was at least six of them. And uh, then you think like, oh, Rudy Gobert's letting Maxi Kleber drop 25 on him. No, Rudy Gobert has to cover for his incompetent teammates. That's the problem. That's why the Jazz aren't going anywhere because they can't guard anything on the perimeter. And their whole defense is built around a guy who needs some help but doesn't get any. So I feel kind of bad for him, but uh, there's nothing you can really do at this point. And Jalen Brunson is so good. He's going to get a stupidly large contract this offseason, even if the Mavericks lose in the first round. He has probably increased his average annual salary by $10 million within this playoff series, and it was already probably going to be a near $20 million contract. So good on him, and I mean, hopefully the Mavericks can keep him because if they can rock the tandem of Dinwiddie, Brunson, and Luka for longer, it's going to be great to watch, and they'll probably accomplish a fair bit together. Yeah, uh, really like what I saw from the Mavs that game. Uh, a lot of uh, one thing I'd like to mention is you were talking about how uh, Rudy's teammates didn't really pick up the slack uh, of defense, which is warranted. But it seems like every time Spencer Dinwiddie had the ball, he would drive straight through. Uh, usually Donovan Mitchell is the top defender, and he just drives straight through, kick it to the corner. No one's guarding the corner, and it's a, and it's a three. And that's how Maxi Kleba got most of his points. 
Uh, and it seems like every single time the Mavs got the ball, they just penetrate in and then kick it out. So that's basically been the game plan for the series, and that's why the Mavs are having a lot of success. But I think we should jump into the next game on Monday. This was the final game, uh, the Warriors and the Nuggets. Warriors ended up winning by 20 points, uh, and uh, Jordan Poole had 29 points and 8 assists, and Steph Curry off the bench had 34 points on uh, 70% shooting from the field. Um Personally, I did not. I was not able to catch the full length of this game, so uh, all I was able to see was some highlights. But uh, I'd like to know if you watched the game. This death lineup is terrifying. Um, the fact that Curry is still coming off the bench, just for one thing, is weird. But I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, and it wasn't in this game, so. Yeah, it's it's terrifying, to be totally honest. Uh, Clay, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Steph Wiggins, Draymond. I mean, I, I don't I don't know what to do. Like I I don't know what you would do against that that lineup. Um, Draymond has been absolutely incredible with the series. I know you may look at the counting numbers and think, oh, Jokic has been playing great, but Draymond, considering his size, especially too, has been just so impactful on defense um this looks like the dream well it's not like he ever really had a period where he didn't look like this but this looks like the dream one that was kind of a shoe-in for the defensive player of the year award earlier this season and he's back to playing at that level i mean he came off an in really that injury was the only reason he didn't get that award this season but uh, oh my goodness they're so dominant i i like steph steph had it going 34 and 20 not even 23 minutes his not normal uh what was it he all he made five ten threes or something like that and jordan pool is also way too good uh i don't know how this was this happened how he ended up on this team and i saw this clip actually not that long ago um maybe even yesterday on twitter of of during the draft during the jordan pool draft right after the pick was made some guy i can't remember who pretty much was like this is the worst pick of the draft which i'm sure that guy is getting just laughed at endlessly by everyone involved after that after this playoff series so far and deservedly so uh jordan Poole has been stupid so i thought that was pretty funny but i mean this series i just feel so bad for Jokic. he has no help at all there's not there's nothing you can really do i mean who's the second best player on his team Aaron gordon like like what do you really expect him to do against this warriors team and uh he's trying but it's so easy to game plan around him no matter how good you are you you need something especially against such a t like a team like the warriors so there's not really too much he can do and it's become a kind of a boring series in the way where you just know what the outcome is going to be yeah, I'd say out of the eight first-round series that we have, uh, definitely the Warriors-Nuggets uh, one is probably the least entertaining one because uh, it's kind of the same thing every game where the Warriors absolutely dominate. But, uh, I mean, every every series in the playoffs, to be fair, has been great, and this is one of the better first-round uh, sequences of series that we've had in, in the recent years. Uh, I don't know if that's the right way to word it, but the, the eight that we have going on. Um, I think we should uh, jump into Tuesday's games. Um, just, just a quick note that that sequences in series thing is just 
so off. I, I, I don't really, I, I can't let that slide. That was so just incredibly wrong. Uh, I, I know you learned about sequences and series in math, at least a little bit. Do you remember what a series is? No clue. Um, I wasn't the best uh, mathematician. Fair enough. And uh, I think this is a great segue into Tuesday's games. Uh, we have the... Uh, now, one series I've been paying quite a bit of attention to is the Heat-Hawks game. Um, or series, sorry. Um, so in the first game, right after Duncan Robinson had a uh, shooting masterclass, he only got seven minutes in the next game. And uh, this is just a thing that Spolstra has been able to do all season is call on different guys in his rotation. One day they might not play at all, and then one day they might play uh, starting, starting quality minutes. And uh, this was a game where John Collins came back for the Hawks, had a nice 13-10, and 10, um, and played 30 minutes like right off injury, which is kind of nice to see. Um, but for Miami, Jimmy Butler... Uh, like just wow, uh, 45 points and uh, on 60% from the field, uh, four three pointers as well, uh, on seven attempts. And, um, yeah, this this game was great. Uh, and like I said, Duncan Robinson only got six minutes in this game, and Caleb Martin, who didn't play the previous game, got 17 minutes. Um, and they just looked at new guys to kind of throw off the Hawks because you can't really game plan for this Heat team because. Uh, Spolstra really switches something up every single game, which is something that's a big advantage and you could uh, favor in this Heat team to make a deep run. Um, and yeah, that's really all I got to say about this game. Um, I mean, really, like the Heat have... Th this was only game two, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but the Heat in this in that second game did pretty much the exact same thing they did in the first game. Uh to be fair, Trey played a little better in this one, but just the straight like bullying on on defense that they do. Uh, I mean, it's just pretty much the same thing you're seeing in the Nets Celtics series, but just the straight physicality, and it comes into effect even more with Trey because he's like what, like a very generous six foot, like very generous, and I don't know, probably like a hundred. 70 pounds something like that he's a small guy and the heat team as it's been known for for the last little while pretty much ever since jimmy Butler came or honestly ever since uh udon showed up it's just filled with a bunch of really like rough players like just straight menaces on the whole team i mean they're getting in fights with each other imagine what they'll do to someone on the other team and it's really coming into effect um Hey, man, like, really, it shouldn't, like, I don't know. The Hawks, they waited the whole year for this, the playoffs. They called the regular season boring, and then Clint Capella got injured, which sucks. Um, yeah, I mean, it is unfortunate uh, for the Hawks. It looks like the Heat might uh, sweep this one. Or, no, I'm sorry, they didn't sweep it, but uh, I think we should jump in to the next game of the day. Uh, the Grizzlies uh, blew out the Timberwolves uh, in a game where Stephen Adams, previous starting center of the Grizzlies, is uh, thrown out of the rotation, only played two minutes in this one. He's basically unplayable uh, in this series uh, against the Wolves. And uh, someone that I want to give a shout-out to, Xavier Tillman, stepped it up a lot. Um, 
85% from the field, six of seven, and uh, he had 13.7 rebounds. And he really, like, this game was close at one point, and they put Xavier Tillman in, and man, like, he really turned it up, and he gave them the energy to pull away from the Timberwolves. Um, and along with um, Jaron Jackson Jr., has been quite disappointing in this series. Uh, he's only averaging about 10 points for a guy that's supposed to be your second best player. And along with the 10 points, the issue is is the fouling. He averages five fouls per game in this series uh, and just some bonehead fouls. Uh, you'd really like to see a guy like Jaron step it up uh, when you have a guy like Ja, who was one rebound away from a triple-double in this game, uh, 23, 9, and 10. But, uh, I mean, all in all, the Grizzlies won this game uh, and just kind of made it uh, like this series is just one of the ones that you don't really know who's going to pull out on top. I mean, you have the Grizzlies in the favor, but uh, Timberwolves, like, they can't, they can uh, end up winning it. Um, I just got to say, don't let the, the near triple double on, like, for John Morant confuse you. The Grizzlies are winning or at least performing in spite of him at this point uh i've been incredibly disappointed by his playoff performance and yeah he was better in game two than than one for sure but and i mean it came into effect later in the series too but he has been incredibly underwhelming uh one of many stars actually that's been pretty disappointing but the grizzlies are really winning just as a result of being so well constructed, drafting so well, having a really well put together. Jones. Tyus Jones, no, not Tyus Jones. Um, but this was probably like a big slap in the face for the for the uh, for the Timberwolves. I mean, after that game one, and then to kind of get humbled like that. What this was right at? What this was the game after Ja posted that clip on Twitter, Michael Jordan, right? Which was just a weird thing to post, first of all, but. I mean, I guess they won the game, but like, yeah, the scoreline was convincing, but it was not like it was not a, the most dominant performance I've ever seen in my life. And on Jaron Jackson Jr., yeah, the fouls are bad. The fouls are a big problem. Uh, he's like he shows these flashes sometimes of just literally being on the brink of just literally being on the brink of breaking out and being that second like true star on the team i mean sometimes he hits these like he hits these like move kind of moving threes or has these attacks to the basket or defensively obviously and i'm just like wow this this was the guy picked fourth this was the guy picked one selection ahead of trey went fifth that year or was that luca that went whatever one of them too and for good reason uh but the fouls are really disappointing and i like it's something they've really got to address or teams will just continue to target him even ones without super dominant centers like cat yeah so jaron's only averaging about 20 minutes uh per game in this playoff series due to his foul trouble that he seems to constantly get in um and the last game of this day tuesday that we're talking about right now um uh, was a Pelicans versus Suns game, and the Pelicans ended up winning by 11 points, uh, led by Brandon Ingram's 37 points, 11 rebounds, and 9 assists. Uh, but in this game, uh, the most significant significant thing to take away from this game was that Devin Booker uh, left the game with, I believe it was a hamstring injury, and uh, he will be sidelined from the team for two to three weeks, which initially, uh, when they were talking about the injury severity, they were kind of 
assuming it would be just a couple games, but uh, now he's been ruled out for at least the rest of this series. So, um, I mean, the Suns are just a better team in general, but uh, the Pelicans kind of have their shot now to uh, pull away in this series. Um, Chris Paul, I mean, he's the best player on the court for the Suns. Um, for 17 points and 14 assists. Uh, even though right before uh, Booker had his injury, he was playing really well as well. Um, but yeah, just an all-around good game um, from the Pelicans, uh, at least with shooting. Like Guys like uh, Jose Alvarado was 100% from the field. Um, Valanciunas played big. Jackson Hayes was good. Uh, and so was Herb Jones, who played uh, 41 minutes in this game. Um, and yeah, uh, that's really all I got to say about this series, uh, this game at least. This thankfully has become a very good series. Um, going into it, it was like, okay, this is just going to be one of those four game sweeps where really not even worth watching, but the Pelicans have done a lot better than I expected. And obviously the Devin Booker injury doesn't really, doesn't really help the Suns out. But I I think you I think you got most of it. I mean, Herb Jones just continues to be incredibly impressive. And honestly, going back to the rookie of the year thing, no Herb Jones shouldn't have won it. But um, I think you know what I think maybe he uh, should have been a bit closer to that third place spot than he was. Personally, I don't know how you feel about that, but. Um, yeah, I mean, Herb, probably the steal of the draft, which I think most people can agree on. Uh, now, I really want to talk about this next game that was the uh, first game of Wednesday. Uh, now, this game is is kind of part of the series that everyone's really uh, invested in, which is the Brooklyn Nets-Celtics uh, game, uh, or series, sorry, uh, where the Celtics went up 2-0 on Wednesday. Uh, and, like, wow, like, just to see Kyrie and Kevin Durant uh Two, some of the two of the best scores in the NBA, not like in order, but like two of the best. Um, they uh, Kevin Durant shot twenty three percent from the field and ended up with twenty seven points, uh, and he only made four shots. So uh, you know the free throws kind of helped there a little bit. But uh, same with Kyrie, four shots uh, made and thirteen shots attempted. And you really cannot win a basketball game. I mean, Bruce Brown is great, but when he's your best player. Um, on the court uh that's not something that you kind of look to do and it's, it's crazy because kd and Kyrie get locked up uh you don't really see that happen two games in a row where kd and Kyrie both get locked up but it, it did happen especially with kd um now i'm gonna just jump ahead to a quote that uh kd said in the uh most recent loss that they had uh after the game he said that uh the celtics have him overthinking uh the way of playing basketball and this is a guy that goes into games and he's knows he's the best player on the court and he knows he can shoot over anyone he can attack anybody anybody and to say that the Celtics defense is making him overthink what he's doing on the court is pretty crazy um he's not having a good series at all um and I mean the Nets really can't like I don't know Ben Simmons is now officially ruled out for game four uh, which is going to be on tomorrow uh, as the day of recording. So, uh, yeah, it looks like the Nets uh, might be a lost cause this 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 year. Forget looks like. 
the Nets are a lost cause this season. Um, I think I'm pretty sure I picked the Nets going into this series, but that was pretty stupid. Uh, even like forget like okay, hindsight is twenty twenty. But even looking before, if you look more objectively and just kind of put less into the KD Kyrie thing, uh, the Nets are like one of the best best defensive teams in the NBA. They're on track to be one of the better defensive teams all time, just based off of this their uh, the one season. I'm sorry, not the Nets, the Celtics, the Celtics. My my mistake. Definitely not the Nets. That. That is not a competently and well put together team, but uh, yeah, this so all that just about the Celtics. Um, yeah, the Celtics were probably an obvious pick. I don't think anyone really expected Katie and Perry to be shut down to this level, but I, I I don't think they've ever even played against a defense like this before. And Katie saying they've got him overthinking is ridiculous. Like that's. I don't know. That doesn't seem right to me. Like, he's definitely played against more rough def- defenses before, even when he was younger. And if this is all it really has taken to throw him off his game, then uh, I think we pretty much have the way to stop him from this point out, and really just stop, uh, just stop all star scores, I guess. But the next game, the next game that day was. A really good one uh it was the 76ers raptors one the one that went into overtime right and that was the that was the big mb shot where he got not really his revenge for the Kawhi shot because the magnitude was a little different but um probably the closest he'll get to it way too good of a look just just get started with way too good of a look um Weird not having anyone on the inbounder and weird for Fred Van Vliet to even be in the game at that stage because really it was just going to be they're going to shoot at the first opportunity they get and Fred Van Vliet, Van Vliet ended up being the one against the one against um, like one closest to Embiid and I mean it'd be pretty unfair to expect them to really contest that shot too well but going into overtime that what Harden fouled out right before pretty much and I feel like well me personally I was like Okay, the Raptors actually Raptors actually got a game out of this series, but no, they closed it out. Yeah, the Raptors just didn't shoot well, at least the two Raptors stars and Siakam and Van Vliet. Siakam shooting 37% and uh, Van Vliet shooting 3 for 13, which is 23%. Uh, Van Vliet really hasn't been good this series, um, as Raptors fans would I expect Van Vliet to kind of take the leading role of uh, the team and kind of leading the team to to wins as you want in the playoffs. But um, I think the next game uh, was uh, um, sorry Bucks Bulls game uh, where the Bucks were able to uh, take one uh, tie the series one one. Uh, what did I say Bucks? Okay, sorry. Uh, I meant to say the Bulls won this game by four points. Um, and DeRozan, after shooting atrociously in that first Bucks game, uh, he promised that he wouldn't shoot. Uh, I think it was like five for twenty-five or something, uh, six for twenty-five, um, which was corrected there. But um, DeRozan came back. That was forty-one points he had in the second game, um, and yeah, led the uh, Bulls to a victory. Um, 
you know, Giannis tried everything he could, uh, but um, I wasn't able to watch this one fully either. Um, I don't know if you did, uh, but I, I think you did. So let's uh, hear about it. Every time Alex Caruso steps on an NBA court, there should be some type of punishment for whoever at the Lakers offered him that two-year, whatever, like two less than two years, $15 million contract. Uh, because every single time it becomes more and more apparent that he probably deserves even a bigger deal than the one he has on the Bulls right now. And I think that one's only like four years, $40 million, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I mean, this is really like, this, this game was really a one-off. The Bulls, they weren't going to win another game in this series other than the one, than, than this one. But good for them, at least. I guess DeMar had his big playoff performance probably about a solid four years too late. But, um, yeah, if only he had them a few years earlier. I mean, like, there's not really too much to say about it. But, yeah, it just, it just sucks for the just sucks for the Bulls. They built this roster, but. They're not that good. This roster of fans had so much hope. Zach Levine, Tamar DeRozan, Vucevic, Lonzo, Caruso, Patrick Williams was back. I guess Lonzo's not not really playing right now, but they they are not a good team. But uh, on to the next games, on to the next day, I guess, Grizzlies, Timberwolves. Uh, Grizzlies actually won another game. And this one was really, yeah, okay, Ja, this time got his triple-double. But this one was really in spite of him. Uh, he was not he, probably just slightly a net positive if you really look at it for this game. But not enough of one considering who he's supposed to be on this team. I mean, there were times in this season where he was probably in the second tier of like MVP candidates outside of the big three. And he's doing this in a first round series against the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is... Really concerning for the people that expected the Grizzlies to go far. Uh, this was another like huge null game from Cat too, which, I mean, I think he only took four shots in the whole game, yeah. and he was in foul trouble for most of it, which is just really weird. Um, Jaron Jackson was in foul trouble again the whole time, so this would have been like a perfect recipe for Cat to have like forty. And it's not like Stephen Adams was really... I mean, I don't think he even got onto the court. But Brandon Clark was huge in this game. Brandon Clark actually was absolutely massive in this game. Uh, shout out to another Canadian. Uh, absolutely incredible performance. Really huge for the Grizzlies. And honestly might be very significant in in them potentially winning this series. Which is just weird to say. But... Um, I think we should talk about this next game here. Mavs uh, and Jazz. Mavs uh, were able to take a 2-1 series lead after the win to, uh, in this day. Jalen Brunson, another uh, great game from him, 31 points, just raising his uh, his market value for this offseason. Um, Max Kleba played another good game. Uh, this was the last game that the Mavs played in the series without Luka because Luka comes back in the next game, which we'll get on into later. But... Um, really, uh, the Mavs just kind of outplayed, uh, Utah in this game. Uh, I saw some, uh, you know, uh, as if you remember or recall from previous episodes that I have mentioned in the past that I'm a pretty, uh, 
big fa- I'm not a big fan, but I'm a, I'm a fan of Royce O'Neal on the Jazz. And, uh, I mean, uh, in this game uh, on Thursday, he was uh, playing some pretty aggressive uh, fouls. I don't even know if they're fouls, but, like, he's just pushing people. Like, specifically, Jalen Brunson is getting a lot of these hits just after the whistle blows. Like, you kind of push him or, like, push him onto the ground. And I'm just kind of looking at these. Like, there's a play-by-play someone put together a uh, all the possessions where Royce O'Neal just absolutely shoved people. But uh, he did it about, like, four or five times uh, in this game, uh, which is kind of weird. I don't know what his intentions are behind doing that, but uh, not very positive, I, I'd like to say. Um, do you have any takeaways from this game? Free Rudy Gobert. That's all I have to say. Free Rudy Gobert. Yeah, uh, the Chaz. Uh, yeah, Rudy Gobert uh, needs to. He needs to get out of there. Um, let's move on to. Uh, or maybe you have one last thing to say. I was a huge fan of Donovan Mitchell going into the draft. I was higher on him than almost everybody. I don't know if you remember this. Um, even in like. Even when that draft was happening, another 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 person we know and I made a another friend of ours made a uh, made a little YouTube video where we mentioned who we thought from the draft was going to be like really really just surprise everyone and my guy was Donovan Mitchell as well as a couple others but I was so high on him I thought he was going to be this incredible player and then he he proved it right. And to be fair, in this game, it might be a little unfair to mention it uh, for this game, but um, he's like, has he already peaked? Has he already peaked? Like that's it. Like that's a that's a genuine question. I mean, like, I, yeah, I'm saying free Rudy Gobert, but really, Donovan Mitchell is the one that should be getting traded because it's a lot easier to find a Donovan Mitchell than a Rudy Gobert, and. Um, I've just become less and less impressed by him over the years. Uh, the absolute just negative he has been on defense ever since coming to the NBA pretty much too has also been really like kind of upsetting because he's got the tools to be a really good like guard defender and he just doesn't even put any effort in, which totally screws his team over. And I guess it's highlighted even more when no one else on that team plays defense. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, let's move on to Friday's uh, slate of games. Now, uh, first game in this day was Miami Heat versus Atlanta Hawks. And, uh, I mean, when I was watching this game, it was kind of just a game of runs. Uh, different players were kind of leading uh, their team to a little, like, 10-point uh, leads and just kind of coming back. And it was just like that basically the whole game. I remember uh, the Hawks were holding a 10-point lead for quite a little bit of time. And uh, I texted my friend who's a big Heat fan. I was like, watch the Hawks win this game. Now, I, I want the Heat to win, but um, th- he said, my friend said that uh, he's going to come back and he's going to text me and rub it in when the Heat end up winning. But uh, the Heat ended up losing by one point, uh, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, and, I mean, nobody on the Heat, like Jimmy Butler had a good game. One thing you'd like to see from Bam Adebayo is more of a, offensively dominant performance from him in games like this. Uh, I mean, on the Hawks, you're missing Clint Capella. And in in last year's playoffs, um, Bam was great. 
Um, and in the bubble as well, he was great. Uh, and, and you're not really seeing this in this series where Bam goes out there and puts an offensive load on himself. Uh, and you'd really like to see um, more than nine shots or for your starting center, who is an all-star. And, uh, I mean, he's more regarded for his defensive uh, premise on the court, but he can score and and he can ball handle. So it's not like he can create shots uh, for himself and get to the, the basket, but he's not really doing that. Um, I mean, nothing to worry about for the Hawks, but, uh, I mean, the Hawks are able to take one. Um, do you have any thoughts on this game? Um, it was just cool, cool to see them actually win a game, I guess, but, uh, it's not really going to mean too much. Let's be honest here. Just going to lose in five, I guess. Oh no, big deal. Big shot by Trey at the end, um, as, uh, as uh, Shannon Sharp calls him, what or or sorry, as he uh, kind of went against what uh, what Skip Bayless calls him, uh, Mice Trey. I don't know if you know about that, but uh, that's what he calls him. He kind of showed up in the moment and hit that shot. Uh, I think it's his fifth like go ahead shot with five seconds or less left throughout his career. I'm assuming that's including the regular season as well. But um, he has this tendency to kind of show up when it matters, and he just did it again. Um, John Collins, so disappointing. So, so disappointing. Um, Onyeka, I hope, I really hope that the Hawks take away from this this series that they are going to lose shortly is that it is finally time for him to be that center on the team. Uh, Clint is great and all, and I know it's probably unfair to be saying this while Clint is not playing basketball, but... He's uh there's no point. Like I there's not significant Clint fell off a cliff defensively this season and there's not really enough of a difference to warrant playing him over Onyeka at this point. Uh I would trade him, get whatever you can in return, which I'm not sure you'll be able to get too much anyways, but play the young guy. Like you don't have to be this championship contender right away. Especially now that Trey signed to his extension, he's there long term. You got Herder signed up. I'm not sure if they've extended Hunter yet, but I'm sure that's not going to be a problem. Get rid of uh, Clint and let Onyeka become what he a sixth overall pick or something like that should become. Yeah, um, I know both of us have a friend who's a very big Onyeka Kongu fan. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I think that they don't really need Clint at this point. Uh, Onyeka has a lot of potential. And I think they, they're, they're seeing that they can unlock it in this playoff series, even though they're not winning games uh, necessarily. They're still seeing the talent that he has. And they they should kind of step back from... I mean, you can still go in and try and like make the playoffs, but you don't you don't have to necessarily uh, try and use like players that you typically use to compete being like older. Um, next game on Friday was uh, the Bucks beating the Bulls by 30. Take a 2-1 series lead. Uh, and, you know, Bobby Portis played huge against, uh, his former team, the Bulls. Uh, he had 18 points, 16 rebounds. Um, and, uh, Grayson Allen also had, uh, 22 points on eight for 12 shooting, which is, uh, great for him. That kind of led the way. Um, you know, the Bulls just didn't play a good game of basketball. Um, like they didn't really shoot very well. Um, especially like Kobe White didn't play well either like off the bench he was two for nine and 
Uh, I think in this game, uh, Thanasis Anacumpo was able to snag nine minutes out of the rotation and uh, let guys like Giannis rest a little more. Um, and I believe, I can't remember if it was this game. I think it was, but he had a crazy dunk. It was like a poster. But, uh, I mean, that's all I can really take away from this game. Uh, Chris Middleton, uh, this was the first game of this series where uh, he's, I think he's officially out for this series. Um I think so, but uh, yeah, he didn't play, so that's why you have Grayson Allen stepping it up, which he, uh, uh, once we talk about today's games being Sunday, uh, he also had a great game uh, today for the Bulls. Um, I'm going to let Mark here kick off the Phoenix and Pelicans game that happened on Friday. Chris Paul, point guard. He's way too good for how old he is. Um, what what was the number? I think it was like 30, 37 assists or something like that and two turnovers in the playoffs so far. Something like that. I don't remember what that what, but it was something like that. It was something insane. Maybe it was 39. Whatever. Um, just aside from that even, uh, really good win by the Suns. First game, first full game without Devin Booker. And they still managed to close it out despite CJ and Brandon Ingram playing really well. Um, okay, kind of, kind of, uh, actually fairly related. And I get it. I've been saying a lot of negative so far, but Jackson Hayes might honestly be the dumbest player in the NBA. Um, this is another guy going into the draft. I really liked him. I thought he could, I thought he had really like significant potential, just even more so than just a rim runner. I thought he had an underrated ability to dribble the basketball and penetrate off of like maybe like some I don't want to call it pick and roll action, but if he had the ball at the top of at the like the top of the three, and then he could probably drive in if he caught the defense sleep. He just had those capabilities, and he showed. I thought he showed flashes of that, and his athleticism and motor was obviously insane. But he's like lack of cognitive function. Uh, sorry if that's a little harsh. Uh, Jackson, if you're listening, get better, man. But he's like, that shove was so, so, so stupid. So unnecessary. Like, it just really, it, it feels like, it honestly feels like there's not a lot going on up there. Like, I, I, I'm honestly, like, when I saw it, I was just at a lot, for no reason. For literally no reason. Like, just... Try to get your offensive rebound. You don't have to get yourself ejected. And th- he had, like, the audacity to argue it. You just shoved someone for no reason while he's just trying to get a rebound. Was it Jay Crowder? And Jay Crowder got a technical for it. Like, yeah, he got up and was like, like, what were you doing? But that's not warrant- warranting a technical. Um, No, it was so... He's just... It, it could... On- like, if it does not improve, if it does not improve and he just overall as a player does not improve... It could cost him his NBA job. Like in all seriousness, it's he's just he actually has been playing fair like okay. Like he was playing okay in this game up until then, but the lack of like I don't I, I, brain power is just alarming. Yeah, Jackson Hayes, uh, and not only once did he shove someone, he also got dunked on by Landry Shamit and then pushed. I think it was Landry Shamit. Now this guy uh, clearly loves hitting people. 
Um, not gonna get on. I'm not gonna get into what he does off the court in terms of <laughs> hitting people. But uh, yeah, Jackson Hayes is uh, putting his job on the line by these bonehead uh, fouls and uh, just pushing people. He needs to get his anger under control. But um, you know, I'm gonna let Mark talk about this Raptors Philly game after I talk about this Jazz Mavericks game because this game, uh, watching it. Uh, Luca was going crazy, right? Down the stretch. He has a huge step back three over Rudy Gobert. And up at that point, the, uh, the Mavs are up five points uh, or something like that. And you think um, that the Mavs have secured the win in this game, right? But uh, they ended up losing by one point. And this was all within like 40 seconds. The Jazz were able to come back and win this. But Rudy Gobert with a game-winning alley-oop dunk. Uh, I can't remember who threw it to him, but I think it was like Donovan Mitchell or something. But, um, yeah, Donovan Mitchell was able to share the ball this game, uh, getting seven assists. Um, and, and, yeah, Dwight Powell got sent to the line. Uh, to The Jazz, uh, Mavericks were up one at this point, um, and Dwight Powell's at the line. Uh, I mean, if you hit both three throws, then you're kind of forcing the, uh, the Jazz to have to shoot a three and tie the game. But Dwight Powell absolutely choked uh, from the line, missed both free throws, not even close. And... Uh, I mean, they get the ball, they push it in transition, throw the lob to Rudy Gobert, and that's that's game. Uh, and that which which sucks because that was a big moment for Luca hitting that step back three, which uh, he's notorious for doing in these closeout playoff games at this point. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm rooting for the Mavs in this series for sure. But yeah, kind of sucks. The Mavs pretty much outplayed the Jazz in this game again, but unfortunate ending uh, in that game. Now. I don't uh, mean to come off as as uh, rude when I say this to Donovan Mitchell, who I'm sure isn't listening, but how about you uh, take note and uh, pay attention to what happens when you actually pass the ball to Rudy Gobert? Now, I, okay, I'll you when the game won't, not going to happen every time, but um, yeah, pay attention to your team's slogan a little more, and uh, maybe your team will have some better luck winning some playoff games. But that that uh Philly Raptors game Raptors actually got one. That was good to see. That was cool to see. Um I guess the 30 dream is still alive. I mean Nick Nurse did say if you win one then all of a sudden it's 3-1 and that's happened before. So he's not wrong. Now I would give the Raptors a solid one in a million chance of actually winning another three game straight, but that's more than zero uh, in terms of the actual performances of the game. Really rough game for Embiid as a whole. Uh, Harden, to be fair, also not his greatest ever game, especially shooting the ball. Maxi actually finally played like a normal second year or young player. And Pascal Siakam was absolutely incredible. Um, Pascal Siakam is incredible. Hopefully on an all-NBA team this once, whenever those are announced, but he was so good. Gary Trent Jr. came back from his whatever sickness, something balled out. Underpaid player, by the way. I know he got that extension not that long ago, but with the way he's been playing, he should probably have a slightly bigger contract. So go down the Raptors for getting him while he still was worthless. And uh, big shout out for one of the guys that kind of helped the Raptors pull away in this game. Thaddeus Young played great in this game. Uh, despite uh, like OG Ananobi not playing 
uh, his best brand of basketball. Uh, Thaddeus Young uh, snatched Embiid's ankles in a play uh, and then hit a step back mid-range. Uh, I mean, as a Pacers fan, love to see it. Uh, still rooting for the Sixers to win this one. But, um, yeah, I mean, Thaddeus Young, uh, not a guy to overlook in terms of this game and his performance. Um, I know a lot of Raptors fans have been happy with the pickup that they did at the trade deadline with getting Thad Young. Um, let's move on to the Raps. Uh, sorry, not the Raps. The Celtics-Nets uh, game, uh, where Jason Tatum absolutely dominated, 39 points. Uh, another Celtics win uh, to put up the series 3-0. Um, and uh, Robert Williams came back in this game uh, from his injury. Um, very limited minutes. Didn't really do a lot, but, I mean, he's back and uh, getting ready for the next round, assuming uh, the time that he's getting in these games are kind of just more to condition him for the next series. This is looking like the Celtics are going to win. Um, and on the Brooklyn side of things, like this is what I was talking about earlier, um, how Kyrie and KD got locked up for a second game straight. Um, both of them uh, didn't really do much. KD was 6 for 11, which... 11 shots in a must-win game. Kind of weird for Kevin Durant. And then uh, Kyrie was 6 for 17. Uh, and, and and Bruce Brown, again, being your best player, uh, is not what you want. Um, and this was the game where Katie said he was overthinking playing basketball. Um, but something that Steve Nash seems to like to do a lot, which uh, shouldn't be done in, in these games, is running the three-guard lineup of Patty Mills, Goran Dragic, and... Seth Curry, uh, it makes no sense because uh, this game was kind of close at one point uh, with a few, a few minutes left. Uh, the Nets were kind of pushing back, and they are hitting shots. Uh, Kyrie shot a really bad pull-up three to just try and get uh, Al Horford hit a corner three, and then Kyrie dribbled it up and just shot it right away. But other than that, like, Seth Curry was hitting threes. But the thing is, like, you're get, you're, you're, the offense is coming around, but... Um, the defense is they just let the Celtics run right to the basket and score. Um, and Steve Nash had no options, so he decides to throw out Blake Griffin on the court, who hasn't played in, I think, like over three weeks. Uh, this is his first game in, for the Nets in the, play, in the playoffs, and uh, he played nine uh, or eight minutes, and he was gassed. Like, he was all red, and you could tell he wasn't kind of conditioned for this, but uh, he actually played pretty good. Uh, he was two for three or two for four from the field, uh, and he hit. He came onto the court and he immediately hit two threes, uh, which, like, oh, it's, it's cool, I guess. But uh, like, Steve Nash really has no idea what he can do to prevent the Celtics team from just destroying them. Forget that Steve Nash has no idea what he's doing, just as a whole, um, and it's kind of unfair to expect otherwise. I don't know why the Nets sought him out. It was Katie and Kyrie, or at least one of them, that specifically sought out Steve Nash and convinced him to become the coach of this team. He's probably getting fired after this season. Uh, maybe they won't like say that they fired him, and they'll say that he stepped down. But really, it, if that's the case, then it'll be they were like, hey, just out of respect... Do you, like, do you want us to say that you stepped down instead of we fired you, but you are getting fired? And rightfully so. But um, there's not really too much he can do about this Kevin Durant collapse. Um, 
as uh, some some big time NBA analysts would say, uh, what is it, Kevin Durkant? Is is that what they say? Is 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 that Skip as well? But uh, yeah, Kevin Durkant. Kevin Durkant shoot the basketball more than eleven times. And the weird thing is, he made six of the shots out of eleven. So I guess if he was like one of eleven, okay, at some point it's gonna be like, okay, I'm I'm clearly off. Let me try to get my teammates more involved. But no, that that just wasn't. And he went two of three on his threes as well. And I get and I understand that the Celtics were making it really difficult for him to get shot offs, and they were really just giving him a rough time. But at some point, you you have to under like you know the situ he knows the situation he was in way better than any of us do and. They needed that win, really, to keep any sort of hope in the playoffs alive. And obviously they didn't. And it's really, it's it's uh, it's alarming, I mean. And it's really disappointing. This was probably his uh, longest, like, sustained period of being kind of seen as maybe the best player in the NBA. And this is what he does in his first round series in the playoffs. I mean, I guess if he was playing really well and this Nets just lost, okay, fair enough. But he's probably, like, him and Kyrie are probably the reasons, like, the biggest reasons that they're losing the series because they are not, they're get, they're getting killed by Jason Tatum. Uh, I saw this thing where I was like, is this the passing of the torch moment? The answer is no. Uh, Jason Tatum could have 60 in the next game. This is still not the passing of the torch moment. It doesn't happen that quickly. Um, but I mean, there's no way that's it for Katie and Kyrie, right? I'm pretty confident they'll run it back next season with hopefully a healthy Ben Simmons, but honestly, they would have lost the series with Ben Simmons from day one as well. But man, it's just weird. Like to see like these two guys be so dominant and then just get absolutely torched by the Celtics team. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what's going on with that team. I mean, maybe a new coach changes a little bit, uh, but they definitely got to kind of make some more moves. Maybe it's like the guards. Like, I'd switch up some of the things on the bench for that team for sure. But uh. Speaking of another player who can't, um, the ne- in the the next game, uh, John Morant cannot play basketball at the ho- at the level he normally does right now especially when it comes to playing inside and finishing in the paint. But um, he's so out of whack. Like, I, I don't really understand what's up with him. And he had this one really nice, like, he drove in, he went, like, up and under, is really nice, just right at the end of the game. But for the rest of the game, he was so bad. Like, they, they're really playing, like, this game he was a negative. This game he was without a doubt a negative in my mind. Um I couldn't care less about the 15 assists, to be totally honest, and I obviously those matter, but he's just I I I don't I don't really I don't really like I, I like it's getting kind of it's really concerning actually. In all seriousness, it's really concerning what has happened to him because I don't know if you remember, but obviously this is in his first little runabout in the playoffs, and he was really good last time, like really good, even in the play-in. Uh, last season he was really really good again yeah against the Warriors and but uh, like I, I don't honestly like the whole like 
rising to the occasion in the playoffs thing still doesn't sit totally right with me. But the way the Timberwolves have kind of nullified him, especially his interior presence. I mean, going like in the regular season, he was what the leading score in the paint as like a six three point guard, and he's become bad at finishing in the paint at least throughout this series and um i feel like teams in, in the next round assume if they even make it to the next round are really gonna look at what what chris finch and the terminals have done and kind of try to replicate that in however way they whatever way they can but this was another jaron jackson uh he fouled out this time actually he like actually fouled out this time and and um yeah, cat, cat kind of, cat kind of won this game for the Timberwolves, showing how good he really is. Uh, unlike that last, unlike the game before, but no, no, I mean, it's problematic. There's, there's like, there's some serious problems with this, uh, with, with the, uh, with this Grizzlies team, and maybe this Timberwolves series is a wake up call of how they're not as good as they thought they were originally. Yeah, uh, that that about wraps up this week's of uh, of playoff games. Um, and I, I think we're going to do one last segment for roughly 10 minutes. Uh, uh, we saw a, a tweet. Um, uh, I can't remember who it was by, but... Oh, actually, we have it right here. It was at uh, Mevy Bear. Uh, they tweeted out a all-NBA, like, opposite awards. Um, and... Um, we're going to kind of do our own, uh, uh, award winners for this opposite award thing. So we have like the worst coach of the year, the least improved player, the worst defender of the year, the worst shooter of the year, uh, disregarding like centers that have never shot a three pointer and then, uh, least valuable player. Um, let's start off with, uh, the worst coach of the year. Um, I mean, I think the most obvious pick is Tom Thibodeau. Um, but I put uh, Frank Vogel just to switch things up. Uh, it's probably Tom Thibodeau, but uh, Frank Vogel, I mean, the Lakers just out of disappointment, uh, and his rotations are kind of bad. Um, and you had uh, Tom Thibodeau, I believe, so. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like Frank is, I guess, kind of fair, but it feels kind of weird to put him, especially given the roster that he had. But uh the Knicks, in every sense of it, like really okay. Maybe they overpaid for certain players, but it is a better roster than they had last season, and everything has just totally fallen apart for them. Um, they lost their identity of like being able to play defense, and I guess that kind of comes in with who they had on the roster as well, like the new players they had. But overall, it was definitely a better team, and they were by far. Actually, aside from the Lakers, I guess, but that was only disappointing if you didn't think about it too much. But this was the most disappointing team in the NBA if you actually thought about it uh, going into the season. And uh, it's such a huge collapse. But the next award is uh, the least improved player of the year, which really is pretty like a like a bad thing to call it. It's more of like the the player who who went backwards the most this season. And I think this is probably the like easiest oh, easiest uh, opposite award to give out, and this is without a doubt, with, without any question. I mean, it should be the first name that pops into to anyone's head. Really, is it Julius Randle? 
Yeah, I also picked Julius Randle. I mean, just took a huge step back from this team that was a playoff team just last year. Uh, and Julius Randle was putting up. I, I think he made All-NBA third team, I believe. Uh, second team. All-NBA second team. And now this is a guy that is completely falling off a cliff, at least this season. Uh, and now he's kind of became a bad contract. Um, let's move over to the worst defender of the year. Um, I picked Karis LeVert. And... Uh, like his perimeter defense is quite the worst thing I've watched, uh, and uh, especially in that Cavs play-in game against the Hawks, like he's just getting torched every single time, and he can't really stay in front of his man. Like it's pretty easy to just blow by him and then kick out to someone else. But uh, I pick Karras. I just don't like like. I mean, he had potential. I thought he had like crazy potential to save the Pacers, but uh, man, I was wrong. Um, and you picked uh, James Johnson. Just before I get into James Johnson, I told you so about Karis LeVert. I was one of few who said that he really was not that good and would not amount to much, if anything, on the Pacers, which turned out to be exactly it. But, uh, yeah, James Johnson, someone I've spoken about many times before. I have uh, some strong opinions on his uh, status or at least ability as an NBA player. Yeah, not non NBA player anymore actually, which is fair. Um, he's so bad, which is, and it's so weird because his calling card in the NBA for so long was his ability to actually play defense and how like he could actually impact impact the game on that end of the floor. And then maybe it had more to do with Steve Nash than I'll give it credit for, and him really not understanding what's going well, not being able to coach the team properly. But he just looked so lost on defense all the time. Like, like defensive rotations just off of screens, all that. Like, really, it looked like he didn't care that much anymore. And uh, now, to be fair, it's kind of it's very wrong to say defense is all about effort, but effort does play a big role in it, especially when you are James Johnson. And uh, if you're not putting in effort, you're not really going to do too much. But the next one, uh, the worst shooter of the year, another incredibly easy award to give out. Um, Russell Westbrook. That one's that one's pretty simple as well. Uh, to be fair, he hasn't really been a shooter in a very long time, but uh, he really thinks he is, which I I will never get. And he I, one thing every season. I don't know if he said it yet after this season, but every single year he always says, "Watch out! Next year I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna be lighting it up from three. And then not once has he done it. Yeah, I picked Westbrook as well. I mean, had that one game-winning three against uh, Toronto, <laughs> which uh, right before that he actually hit the side of the backboard on a different three attempt. But, yeah, it's like every time he shoots a three, you know it's going to clank off either the glass or the side of the backboard or just not hit anything. Um, so that was a pretty obvious pick. I think anyone would say if they were asked who the worst shooter in the NBA was, they'd probably say Westbrook. Um, and then let's move on to the least uh what was it the least valuable player award um now for my pick uh i didn't just pick the worst player in the nba i kind of picked a player that has a decently sized contract uh that doesn't do anything and like is kind of unplayable at some points um i picked jeremy lamb uh i mean every pacers fan could probably say that they dislike this man at least when he came back from injury uh and he's just bad in sacramento he's bad 
Uh, there's nothing much else to say. He had one good game this season for the Pacers against the Grizzlies. But, um, yeah, he's, he's bad. He's being paid like $11 million a year for nothing. Uh, and I think he's not going to get anything more than minimum for the rest of his career, however long that's going to be. Um, what's your pick, Mark? Just before I get into mine, I have to comment on another former Pacer. Um, the former pa- the big Pacers fan sitting right right uh, right next to me talked a lot about how uh, how he was looking forward to Jeremy Lamb coming back and being ready to play and the value that Jeremy Lamb had not only on the court but also in the trade market and just r- totally refused to listen when uh, when told by the person sitting next to next to next to the next to him how uh he had no value and was not going to make any difference to the Pacers season um and uh who was right again but um my pick controversial and really it's not right but i just want to say it uh, i picked jalen suggs definitely the most disappointing rookie this season like without a doubt in my mind um Really, I did. I wasn't too high on him even going into the, going into the, uh, the draft, and uh, friend of ours, the same uh, Onyeka fan, was quite high on him, and he's been re- like no, no, no busts, no, no, not none of that. It's way too early to be calling a bust or anything, but he was so ineffective this season. And sure, you can blame like the the just whatever is going on at the at uh the uh in the orlando magic organization but he's been really bad i think every time i've seen him play i've been extremely disappointed um like he he's for the whole season maintained what jalen green like that level jalen green was playing at at the start of the season that's what jalen suggs did for the entire season uh yeah can't argue there um it's a team uh, not even that it's a team full of guard, guard heavy, uh, like, you know, you have Mark Alfaro's faults, but that wasn't until the later half of the season. But you have Mark Kelly, you have Cole Anthony, who kind of rose at the start of the year, but fell off a little bit later. And then, uh, yeah. But uh, I, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Uh, this has been The Playbook, Episode 9. Um, and everyone who's listening, look forward to watching some playoff basketball. The first round will be closed uh we're close to being closed by the next episode. Have a good rest of your morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever you're listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.